Welcome back to the Authentic Online Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Ruthie Gray, and all month long we're covering entrepreneurial highlights that go with running an online business. Many of our listeners are writers and authors, so I know you're going to especially love listening to my guest, Kent Sanders. You'll learn why he feels so strongly that writers are entrepreneurs, a different mindset about generating funds than the one many Christians grew up with, (laughs) and how to develop your writing passion as a way to pay the bills. Kent Sanders is the founder of Inkwell Ghostwriting, which helps leaders grow their business through books and other content. He's also the author and co-author of numerous books, including 18 Words to Live By, A Father's Wisdom on What Matters Most, and co-author of The Faith of Elvis, A Story Only a Brother Can Tell, with Billy Stanley, Elvis Presley's stepbrother. Kent is the host of the Daily Writer podcast and the founder of the Daily Writer Club, a membership community that helps writers build a business with their skills. You are going to love his practical, down-to-earth knowledge. And now, listen in. Welcome to Authentic Online Marketing with Ruthie Gray. Growing awareness for your blog, podcast, book, or product involves more than dancing to reels and yelling, buy my thing. This show models quality over clamor so you can put your spin on your message and market in a way that feels authentic to you because nobody wants to sound like an infomercial. And now, here's your host, Ruthie Gray. Welcome to the show, Kent. Tell us a little bit about what you do, your podcast, writing, all the things so our listeners can get to know you. Well, Ruthie, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. It was fun having you on my podcast a little while back and Now it's great to kind of turn the tables and be on your show. So thanks for the invite, first of all. So basically my whole life revolves around writing and books. And there's a few different ways that that happens. My main thing, and I would say my bread and butter, so to speak, or my day job, if you will, is that I'm a ghostwriter and I write memoir, business books, and personal growth books for people. And then kind of a side business, although it's it's growing rapidly. So it's, you know, sometimes you have to balance these things out. My other thing is I run a, I guess you would call it a brand called The Daily Writer. And that consists of a daily podcast where I teach people about writing and and productivity. And then I run a membership community called The Daily Writer Club, which is for writers who want to, for authors who want to write more books and build their writing business and make more impact in the world. And then I also am actually just now launching a upper level mastermind called The Daily Writer Elite Mastermind. That's for authors and writers who are already making some income from their business, but they want to increase that and make more impact in the world. And then I do live retreats as well. So I kind of have a host of things around this daily writer concept, but pretty much that's what I do is I think about books and writing all day, every day. (laughs) It sounds like quite a passion. It is. It really is. When did you, when did you develop this passion or did you always have a writing passion? Yeah, I've always loved writing. And even from the time that I was a kid, and and I mean, like back in junior high school, 
I loved writing and creating, you know, whenever the teacher would give us a writing assignment, uh, I'm thinking of my junior high English teacher. Her name was Mrs. Tull. And I lo- she was my favorite teacher in middle school because she was a great, she was not only a great teacher, but she was also really inspiring. And I would love it whenever she would give us those assignments. All the other kids hated it, but I loved it because writing has always kind of been my thing. Mm-hmm. And this is a good example of how a teacher can inspire you. I remember this like the like it happened yesterday. One of the seminal moments in my life, and I know this sounds a little bit dramatic. I don't mean it to be, but this is really how it happened. I remember one day in class, she came up to me, and I don't remember the context of it, but she said, Kent, I want you to dedicate your first book to me. And I was, what, 11 or 12 at the time or something? And that was such a key moment because I was like, oh, wow, somebody implanted the idea in my brain that I could write books and be an author. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that for about 25 or 30 years. (laughs) You know, I waited way too long to write my first book and get into that side of things. But that comment that she made really stuck with me over the years. And I guess it just goes to show the power that a teacher or a parent or maybe a pastor or some kind of authority figure can have in, in our lives whenever they put that seed of a seed of an idea in there. And I think as people who, who work with clients and do podcasting and create content, you know, you and I and all of our listeners today, they have that same power to implant that seed within somebody's brain that, yeah, you could do something great. You can be an author, you can accomplish something. And you know, that, that stuck with me for decades. And I wish I had taken action on it a lot sooner, but you know, such is life, I guess. It is. We get busy, but it's that mindset thing that you can actually do this. And yeah. a lot of times all it takes is one voice just speaking that affirmation and yeah. nudging you there. And you're like, well, I can. I really like this. So maybe I can do it. <laughs> totally. Totally. So what what kind of experience have you had building up to what you're doing now? How did you how did you get all this knowledge? Boy, that's a good question. Uh, some days I wonder if I have all this knowledge. <laughs> Probably like all of us, you know, there's kind yes. of the public persona that we have where we we try to project credibility and authority, but sometimes internally we think, man, I've got so much more to learn. And I look at this journey as very much a thing where we're all constantly learning. And sometimes I get uncomfortable with this this label of like, they're an expert or or something like that. Because my goodness, we're all... There's so much knowledge to consume out there and so much more learning that we all have to do. But in terms of, of where I am now and kind of how I got here, as far as, I guess, accumulating experience and knowledge, most of it has been, I would say, a process of kind of stumbling forward. You know, sometimes when you see somebody who has a podcast that's been around for a while, where you see somebody who has a, an established business or they have published books out there, it almost seems like those things were inevitable in the sense of here's this this highly polished thing that exists and we don't see the work and the messes and the mistakes that went into creating that finished product. But for me, it was very much that way. I started off with blogging and podcasting almost 10 years ago. I think my first podcast was 2013, which is kind of hard to believe it's been that that long ago. Hmm. But I wrote my first book and nobody read it or bought it. Well, I think maybe 10 people read it, if that. But it gave me the experience of having written a book And it gave me the joy of seeing a finished product, which was a lot of fun. And then I went on from there and began writing more stuff, doing more podcasting, doing more freelance work. And over the years, that built into what I have now. 
which is all the daily writer stuff as well as a ghostwriting agency. So for me, the expression of what I bring to the world, the ghostwriting aspect and the daily writer stuff, that's currently those are sort of my containers for my passions and and the way that I feel like I can serve the world. That was a really long answer to your question, but <laughs> isn't it fun though? That was a good answer. And isn't it fun to be able to do your passion for your work? Yeah, I, I think that's important. And I know I know there are people who have different perspectives on that, but I just sort of feel like life is too short to be involved in work that you don't really like. Mm-hmm. And so many times we get into different types of work or we take these jobs that we don't really like because we feel like other people expect us to or because it's socially acceptable or for whatever reasons that we do things that we actually do. But I think there comes a point in your life where you have to take an honest assessment of yourself and go, what do I really enjoy doing and what am I good good at doing? And if you're really good at something, but you maybe don't enjoy it that much, I think there are ways to take your skills and start to enjoy them more. Maybe you're not doing your skills in a way that brings joy, maybe there's a different way to to channel your passion and your skills in a direction that that is beneficial financially, but also that you really enjoy and that can be successful. So I think the whole process is just one where we just have to be honest with ourselves and where we're willing to take a leap on things and we're willing to discover different possibilities and opportunities. I feel like the journey is never really done and we never really totally arrive at that place. It isn't, but that is really good advice. It is scary. It's almost like you're stepping off a cliff and you have no net. Yeah. But if you have that one person, and I almost feel like we're getting into entrepreneurial advice here, but it kind of goes in hand with what we're about to talk about uh, marketing your book. Yeah. Um, But you do, you, you have to just take the first step. You know that you have this passion and then you take the first step. Just same with writing. You have the passion, you write the book. Now you need to market the book. Yes. It doesn't just stop with the writing. You must market. And so we're going to talk about that today. When Christian writers come to you, what is their biggest hang up about marketing? Well, I would say the number one thing is that Christian people... And again, I'm painting with a very broad brushstroke here, and I realize that. But as a whole, people of faith tend to be very uncomfortable talking about money. And I think the reason is that we have been taught that money's bad, it's, it's not good to want money, that wealthy people are bad, or they're evil, or they're greedy, or whatever. And I, I confess I thought that way for a long time, mm-hmm. because I came from the worlds of church ministry, and I worked at a Christian college for 17 years until I left that job a couple of years ago to do ghostwriting full-time. And that was really the mindset of it. And there, there was really an, an ethos, I would say, of that the, the more that you're struggling financially, the more spiritually beneficial that is. I know that's like a twisted thing, but there's really that mindset a lot of times in the Christian community of, you know, we don't have a lot of worldly goods and we're not trying to get rich and, and we're kind of scraping by, but we're doing the Lord's work mm-hmm. and we're doing good in the world and we're saving souls. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think all those things are good things. You know, I mean, it's good to save souls and spread the gospel, right? But but wouldn't it be better if if you could do it while not having to worry about if you can pay your gas bill this month or if you can put exactly. gas in your car? So when people when people come to me and we talk about these things, I oftentimes share a story that really impacted me. This has been a few years ago when I still worked at our college. We 
one time we're doing this big event and it was an annual event where we would have all these guys from area churches come in and they would have speakers and, and we would take a big offering for the school and things like that. And I was standing in our gymnasium and the president of our school at that time, he was talking about a donor who promised to give a matching gift to the school if guys raised $40,000 that day, if they pledged or gave 40 grand that day, which in my mind, I was like, well, that's a lot of money. And 40 grand is a lot of money, you know, make no mistake about it. But he was talking, talking about that. And I just had this realization of, you know, I work for this school and I'm always on the side of having, of having to ask for funding. You know, uh, a Christian college is usually asking for donations and funding. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be cool if I could be a business person and grow my business to the point where I could be the guy who writes a $40,000 check, wouldn't that be something that was really cool? And I just had this light bulb moment of going, wow, that seems like a really cool goal. And the more that I thought about it, the more that I realized that every church, every Christian organization, every Christian college, really most of the time they can exist and keep the lights on because of people who do have a business or people who do have money. And if you like look at the list of donors for those organizations, many times there's a small handful of people who do have money who keep the lights on in those places. And I was like, man, it is good to have funds. It is good to make money and to be generous Mm -hmm. because when you are able to do that, then you can really help a lot of good causes. You can give a lot. You can establish scholarships for students or whatever it is that you want to do. So I try to help people of faith see that perspective on things. Mm -hmm. That is such a good point. I was reared in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor. We had very little money. (laughs) Yeah, so you're very intimate with that world. I am well familiar with that world and also familiar with the concept that not necessarily that my dad felt this way, but in the Christian circles, you you know, you, you, if you're wealthy, it's, it's taboo and, and you must not be doing the right thing. You should probably give it up and go to the mission field. (laughs) Right. Right. But, but there is so much good that we can do. And the Lord decides who he's going to bless with big and who's going to bless with smaller Um, and, or creativity or something else. So writers have lots of creativity and it's not wrong to charge for your services especially if you want to support your writing habit right absolutely let's let's talk about tips for generating funds as a writer what would your top three tips be i would say number one is just do some freelance work (laughs) i know that sounds really simple but mm-hmm. for me, the the number one way that I generated money in the beginning of building a business was I just did freelance work. The very first thing that I did is I wrote podcast show notes for, this is a very successful guy in the business world. Probably everybody knows who this guy is. He's written tons of books. He's very, very popular. And he's also a super, super nice guy. Uh, and really, really fun to work with. Uh, I've got mm-hmm. a friend who was his podcast producer. And he asked me if I would write show notes for his podcast. So that's what I did at the beginning. And I loved it. And I learned a ton from this gentleman because I was listening to his podcast every week. And I was like, man, that's kind of cool. His guests would be talking about generosity and business and success and all these things. And I found that doing freelance work with the right person actually made me a better business person. It wasn't just the value for me wasn't just in getting paid for it. It was in what I was learning too. Well, that led to some other clients whose podcasts I would write show notes for. 
And that led to some other things, you know, editing and then writing articles and blog posts, those kinds of things. And so it just grew over time. So I think freelancing can be one great way to generate income. Another great way, I think, is just to sell some stuff because we all have junk in our house. And if you can just go out and sell some stuff, you know, if you need to hire an editor for your book or a graphic designer or or whatever, just go through your house and sell some stuff. That's actually how I funded the editing on my second book. I didn't have the extra money to pay an editor. So I sold a bunch of my books and raised a few hundred dollars and was able wow. to pay for editing that way. That's so practical. <laughs> yeah, I think we make this just really complicated. I mean, it's it's really not hard to generate like a thousand, let's just say a thousand dollars. If you are motivated, you can generate a grand pretty fast. If you're just willing to hustle a little bit, get rid of some stuff, be assertive and ask people if they maybe need some help writing blog posts or editing or whatever it is. And I think the third tip would be uh, just stop spending money on some stuff like eating out or cancel some subscriptions that you have, mm-hmm. cancel Netflix for a little while or, or whatever it is. There's all kinds of ways to generate a few extra dollars. It doesn't have to be really complex. That's super practical. And probably most people have not thought about just selling their stuff. I know our oldest daughter, she kills it on Facebook. All she does is like clean out her closets and her kids' toys. And and so when we have stuff that we replace, like a chair or something like that, we just give it to her. We're just like, please just sell this. You can keep the money. Just get it out of our, get it out of our hair. Facebook marketplace, people. (laughs) You know, I think part of it too is that as creatives and as as writers and, you know, people who do things like podcasting and we kind of see ourselves as creatives, sometimes we just don't want to get our hands dirty because we think certain things may be a little beneath us or we don't want to have to do like menial labor or go through the hassle of cleaning out our garage. But this is how people make things work on a just mm-hmm. a real practical level. Mm-hmm. So, and I've told my wife before, and, and I'm really serious about this. I'm like, hey, if my ghostwriting business tanks, if my daily writership tanks, I have no shame. I would go deliver pizzas or I would drive for Amazon if I had to. Mm-hmm. Like, I have no shame about doing any of those kinds of, I would clean toilets. I mean, I hope I don't have to. I want to add more value to the world than just doing that. But I'm willing to do that if I had to. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings me to my next question for you. You have obviously these different hats that you wear, you have the ghostwriting and then you have your daily writer Mm -hmm. uh, umbrella of services. How do you market your own writing services? That's a really good question. And I would say I, I don't do a very good job. Well, it's actually even worse than that. I don't do any traditional marketing at all for it. It's all referral and word of mouth, which is actually the best kind of marketing for those. That's what I was going to say. And I I figured you were going to say that mm-hmm. and people need to hear about that. So speak to that for a minute. Sure. So I have a little strategy which seems kind of silly on the surface, but it's very effective. And that is in terms of building relationships specifically for ghostwriting stuff. Now there is some there's some cross-pollination between my author coaching and the Daily Writer podcast and the membership group and ghostwriting. But really, they're kind of separate, but there is some cross-pollination because they're both, they both involve books and writing. But in terms of the ghostwriting side of things, my secret strategy is I try to find an excuse to get into people's mailboxes. What I mean is that I try to find a reason to send a thank you note or to send one of my books 
or something in the mail because it's a really inexpensive way to make a good impression on somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, it costs what a couple, two or three dollars for an Amazon author copy of your book, which is really cheap. Costs a few bucks to mail something. And I make my own stationery. <laughs> this is like super simple. I made this myself. This is my daily writer logo, but it's just a typewriter. So this works mm-hmm. for ghostwriting stuff too. And then just says from the desk of Kent Sanders. I literally printed this out on my printer. I fold them myself. I know you're probably not supposed to do that in the in the business world, but it works for me. But I try to just find a reason to send people stuff in the mail. And when I have somebody on my podcast, I typically send something in the mail to them, a note or a book or something. If I met somebody at a conference, I'll send them a note. Or if they're a client, I'll send them a really nice gift and a note if they're a client, of course. But I just try to find reasons to do that. And I think that's effective because most people don't want to go to the hassle of sending stuff in the mail. Mm -hmm. It costs a little bit. It's a hassle to get the mailers. You've got to do the postage. You've got to have Mm -hmm. stuff to send. You've got to have stationery. But I keep all that stuff here in my office. I buy the mailers from Amazon in bulk. Um, I keep my stationery right here. I keep a bunch of stamps. I actually have an account with stamps.com where I, you know, put stuff, I have a postage meter. I put it on the meter. I know how much it weighs. I print out the postage and I put it in my mailbox. And it's really, really simple. I don't have have to go to the post office. for that. That's yeah, it awesome. took a, you know, and it doesn't really take that much to set up a system to mail stuff. You just have to get the supplies and have them ready. Mm-hmm. The reason we don't send stuff in the mail is because we don't have the supplies handy and going to the post office is a massive hassle. Mm-hmm. But if you can, if you can get rid of those factors and make it really simple and fun for yourself, then you'll send, a, you'll send out a lot more stuff in the mail. And that stuff makes a huge impact because most people won't go to the trouble of doing that. We have a mutual friend that is very good at this too, uh, Kim Stewart. She's actually mm-hmm. the one that introduced us. And she yep. always, She's every great. time every time I turn around almost, she's sending me something in the mail. If I, you know, she was in my mentorship uh, for a year. She sent me stuff. It, she, she replayed my podcast interview on her site. She sent me another thank you. <laughs> it's nice. just like Kim is always looking for excuses to get in your mailbox. Yeah. And that's a good thing. That That is a kind thing. It's a dying art. I'm not good at it. <laughs> but I want to be. I want to be a student of that because spreading that goodwill, letting people know that you are a real person. You're not mm-hmm. just a screen figure or an avatar. You are yep. real and you hear them and you see them and you affirm them. That's a big, yeah. big thing. And I think Doesn't part of it too is that sometimes we don't know what to write in cards. If somebody mm-hmm. doesn't feel like they're a natural writer, the idea mm-hmm. of sending a card and saying something meaningful might sound kind of intimidating. But my strategy for this, I, I feel like this sounds kind of juvenile. But so these cards are, I think they're three by five. And I put a lot of space in between the lines. So whenever I write on this card, I might only have three or four lines, but I kind of leave a lot of space in between the lines just so that I only have to write two or three sentences. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter what you write in the card. It just is the idea of you took the time to send a card and people will remember that. So I I just say, make it easy on yourself. Yeah, that's a great tip. I'm going to, I'm going to use that for my next, I have a, a big mailing that is supposed to go out. So I'm going to use that. (laughs) 
So you recently on your Instagram, your daily writer life Instagram, Mm -hmm. there was a graphic that caught my eye and it was 10 ways to make more money as a writer. Can you briefly speak to those 10 ways for us? So these are, and these are not the only 10 ways to make money as a writer, by the way, but these are 10, I think, I'm not going to say simple because some things are not simple necessarily, but there are things that are doable for every author and they're definitely within reach. Some of them are, are simpler than others. So number one is book sales, which is kind of the obvious one. Number two is freelancing, which is something maybe some authors had not thought of, but my perspective is that if you can write a book, you can also help other people write their books or you can write content for them. I mean, my goodness, there's there's all kinds of things that potential authors need help with. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, and just think about the things that you enjoy and that you're good at. If you're a good editor, do editing. Editing, editing can actually pay really, really well. But you can also write your own books, you know, on as well. So freelancing can be great. Uh, number three is ghostwriting, which is something a lot of people do. That This is kind of my bread and butter. Number four is editing or publishing services. And maybe I would... I would call this maybe uh, book production services or something like that, where you're helping people with the process of cover design or formatting or book marketing or something like that. Maybe writing their Amazon descriptions because everybody needs that stuff. And most people are not good at those things. Number five is speaking. Now, I don't do really any paid speaking or I would say very, very little because I don't, I don't think that's my natural gifting. Although I do enjoy it, I don't really like to travel that much. Uh, like as an introvert, I perceive of travel as kind of a big hassle, especially like with all the Southwest Airlines stuff recently. It makes oh, me man. even more leery about all the <laughs> air, air travel is like such a hassle, but that's just me. So I don't make speaking really a part of my business. Uh, number six is coaching. I do a little bit of author coaching. And if you have a skill, you can coach people on that. That number seven is courses. So if you have a book, or you have some kind of content that's in a system or a framework, you can make a course out of that. Mm-hmm. Number nine, or is it number? No, I'm sorry. Number eight is, I should have numbered these. Number eight is products. <laughs> you can have all kinds of different products based on your message or your framework or whatever your brand is. Number nine is memberships and masterminds. Mm-hmm. So I have a membership called the Daily Writer Club mm-hmm. that generates it's not passive income, but it's recurring income for me. And I love that model because the way that I have it set up now, I could have easily 100 more members and it really wouldn't be that much more work. I'm doing the content anyway. I'm doing the calls anyway. I have all the systems in place for it. So once you get a membership set up and you add more people to it, it's, it's kind of like just having more money for doing basically the same amount of work. So I mm-hmm. love memberships because it's a great way to help people. And masterminds, which is sort of a higher level version of a membership in some ways. Mm-hmm. And then the final one is affiliate marketing, which I really, really love. And I should also say sponsorships are a part of that. So I just mm-hmm. recently got my first paid podcast sponsor, which I just was ecstatic about because it was, it's like, hey, they're paying me to promote their product on my podcast, which is yeah. something I would have done anyway. <laughs> but I'm getting paid for it now, which is cool. So those are Wonderful. those are 10 ways that authors can make money. Okay, okay. So on the one that you were talking about with the membership, because this kind of leads into my next question, and those mm-hmm. are 
fantastic ways. I have all kinds of questions, but we only have a limited amount of time. You might have to come back. <laughs> Happy to if you need me to. Uh, so you have a membership. Tell us a little bit more about that and how the folks could access that or be involved in that if they wanted to. Sure. So it's called the Daily Writer Club. And this is a membership community that helps nonfiction authors write books and build their platform so they can grow their income and increase their influence and impact. So essentially, if you're a nonfiction author, this community will help you, number one, get around other people who are on the same journey. And that's that's half the battle, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's not just about knowledge or skills. It's also about being around a supportive group of people who are running the same race that you're running and who are going to support you. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also do weekly live calls. So I do uh, teaching almost every week. Sometimes we have guest experts come in. Like yesterday we did, so we're recording this on a Thursday. Our call yesterday, it's kind of a weird topic, but I talked about the power of anti-goals. So not just having goals and things that you want to accomplish, but what are some things that you need to stop doing Mm -hmm. to help you become more successful? Like, you know, stop doing things you don't want to do. Stop committing to extra things. Stop comparing yourself to other people. You know, those are all things that that hinder our success. So we did a session on that. Every week, we also do a two-hour writing sprint as part of the club. And not everybody does this, but a pretty good chunk of people, we get on for two hours, we get on Zoom for a few minutes, then we shut Zoom off, and then we we write. And then we check in at the top of the hour again, to see how our progress was, and then we do Zoom for another, we get off Zoom for the next hour. So that's a really fun part of the club. That sounds amazing. How about you give us the link for that so that the folks can check it out too when they sure. are listening and sure. put it's, it in the show notes. Yeah, it's really simple. It's dailywriterclub.com. Oh, okay. I like that. That's easy enough. Daily, dailywriterclub.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this has all been amazing, Kent. I'm so thrilled to share you with our, our listeners many of whom are writers, which I've said before. And I think that marketing is kind of a big hole in a writer's life because really, if you're a true, you know, you want to write, then you really don't want to market. Um, That's what I have seen. And that's how I used to be. (laughs) But that's why we're here now for online marketing. So tell us, tell the folks where they can connect with you. So the best place is go to my website, which is dailywriterlife.com. Now, if they go to dailywriterclub.com, it's really that just redirects to dailywriterlife.com to a specific page for the the club. But then they can email me at kent at dailywriterlife.com if anybody would like to have to chat or has questions. I do a podcast called the Daily Writer Podcast as well. So as you can see, pretty much it's all Daily Writer. And in fact, my, my family they rib me quite a bit because they're like, oh, you should get like a Daily Rider tattoo or, you know, a hat or something because they hear me talk about it all the time. But I love it. Yeah. I think it's important. But that's simple. And that is, it should be a mantra for all of us who are yeah. writers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. The basic idea is a, a lot of people and marketing is really, really important. But if you don't have a book to market, then marketing mm-hmm. isn't going to help you very much. Mm-hmm. So I'm all about helping people develop the habits and the success strategies to actually help them get their writing done. Absolutely. And that's what we need. Somebody practical out there that is affirming us that, yes, yeah. we can write. And then 
helping us along. So totally. That is fantastic, Kent. Thank you again. Thank you so much for for spending time with us and, and giving us all these little wise nuggets. And like I said, we'll probably have to have, you're probably going to have to come back. <laughs> happy to, if, if I can serve your audience, I'm happy to do that. All right. Thanks again. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.